0: This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Hi, welcome to Body Talk. My guest today is Linda Wheatland-Smith. She is a doctor of chiropractic who went to Logan University and is an adjunct faculty at the St. Louis University School of Medicine. And she and I met as part of the International Consortium on manual therapies. And I was really struck by her strong voice, critical thinking skills, and really good humor. And it's great to have you here. Welcome, Linda.
1: Thank you. It's so fun to be here.
0: We're going to be talking about low back pain today. And Linda, I understand that for you, it's personal.
1: Yes, it is. When I was a young girl in college, I got a job as an orderly in a hospital. And I did not have any training in body mechanics, and I did think of myself as mighty mouse. So when they asked me to lift the patients who were getting bypasses for their obesity, I'm like, oh, no problem. And I was in the process of doing that when I felt my back start to tighten up. I did not know what was wrong. I didn't understand one thing about muscles, but I progressed in this tightness over several months until i literally could not stand up and at that time i went to the emergency room where a very nice doctor stuck a needle in my back and gave me some muscle relaxants and by that night i was dancing however that was fun but that began a cycle of disability which continued i was about 19 and i had a cycle of disability that I know will be pertinent to some of your listeners. Where every year, about once or twice a year, my back would quote go out, and we can discuss what I think that means. It would
0: go out um, dancing, but it wouldn't take
1: with it. <laughs> wouldn't take me with it. Yeah. Um, where I would become shifted. I'd be bent over. I couldn't stand up straight. Very uncomfortable to sit. Hard to get out of bed. Sometimes fall on the floor, very, very, very much, uh, very significant disability. I would work my way through that disability and then um, get through it with massage, some chiropractic care. And then when I turned 30, it happened to me again, I was newly in practice as a chiropractor. And I said to myself, this is never happening to me again. And I'm pleased to tell you, it's been many years, and that has never happened to me again. So I'd like to talk about why and what my approach to back pain is, but I will say that I have had what millions of people have, which is this recurrent acute low back pain. It's not the same as just somebody who has you know, chronic low back pain. It's right. much more of a disability where they lose function and they can't control their muscles. They can't stand up yeah. or they'll like sneeze and fall on the floor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're fine. And then suddenly it's like, wham, I didn't And do then anything. they're not fine. You have some ideas as to what that is when people's backs go out.
1: The first thing I'll start from the outside in towards the disc. So the muscles that surround the pelvis include the lower abdominal muscles and the gluteus medius muscles. And those muscles are, if when you just sit all day or you sit with your legs crossed or whatever, it's very common for those muscles to go to sleep. They're just not functioning. And people don't necessarily notice that they aren't functioning. And so those form the outer weakness that allows people another thing that happens is their hips especially in men that they will have stiff hips and those stiff hips make it easier for the lumbar spine area to move too much and for it to easily become dysfunctional so if you say the outer core is unstable Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and then you go inward you get the little multifidus muscles. Those are the ones that connect to the spine. They've now shown that those become damaged in recurrent back pain. And when they heal, they'll often heal with a little bit of fatty substance. And that fatty substance is not as strong as the original multifidus muscle. And it makes it easier for that back to go out again.
0: I've seen that on MRIs. From yes. Paul Hodges, who's a researcher out of Queensland, that there's this fatty infiltration that can happen in the multifidus. Exercise can actually change that.
1: That is correct. I think that many people actually get very depressed by this problem because they they don't know when it's going to happen. And when it does happen, they're so disabled it's very, it's very depressing. But there is a road out of this kind of problem. Another thing that happens is there is a big muscle in the back called the quad, well, it's not that big actually, but it's very important called the quadratus lumborum muscle, which attaches into the pelvis and into, um, I think it's about like L123, something like that.
0: Yes. And it attaches to the rib number 12.
1: That muscle becomes dysfunctional by forming and what I think of as trigger points, knots in that muscle, a pattern of damage in that muscle. I tell people that part of your back does not need strengthening exercises. <laughs> it needs to be treated kindly and in a way that doesn't allow that quadratus lumborum muscle to tighten up because when it tightens up, then all you do is like sneeze or you pick up a pencil or something because you've been using that muscle inappropriately and then the back goes into spasm.
0: So do you think people just don't know about the quadratus lumborum? Because I got to tell you, when somebody like you describe walks into my office that first time, that's the first place we're going to go one way or the other to get them some immediate relief, even though there's going to well, be a lot of other things involved. That to me is just prima facie, you might say.
1: So here's what I think. You know, the story of the elephant where everyone thinks they have a, a piece of the elephant. Yes. And the, uh-huh, no the blind in man. The room. And yeah. 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 When people see, who do they see for acute low back pain? Well, many times they'll go to their primary care or then the next step would be an orthopedic surgeon. Right. And the orthopedic surgeon, there's nothing in between. We're in the wild, wild west of medicine or healthcare would be a better word. When they're looking for something, they look at the disc. I live my life protecting my disc and the discs of my patients. I'm committed to protecting discs. However, Lots and lots of pain is caused not by the disc, or it could be partly because of the disc. But if that quadratus lumborum is dysfunctional, you can cut that disc out all you want, but that person is going to continue to have problems. That's right. So, and that's why I think we get recurrent surgeries for that reason, which I think is terribly sad. When we say people, I think we need to be specific and say the primary care physician doesn't understand the quadratus lumborum. The orthopedic surgeon does not understand the quadratus lumborum. And they are usually the first people that see this kind of patient or the emergency room.
0: And they don't understand the relationship between, say, the quadratus lumborum and the diaphragm. So unless you're going to stop breathing, there's always going to be a dysfunctionally tensional relationship between that person's diaphragm and that person's quadratus lumborum, hence a big sneeze, bending over suddenly and coming back up.
1: That can indeed rupture the disc at the same time, certainly is, but it's a complex of all those things you're talking about, David. And one road out, we need to strengthen those lower stomach muscles. We've got to get those babies awake and working carefully. And a whole nother subject, which we could talk about is misguided exercise. (laughs) So one of the worst things I see are people who have gone to Pilates and done the hundreds where Mm -hmm. they hold their legs up in the air and they flap their arms Mm -hmm. because they're they're trying to strengthen their core but they're overdoing it. And the the person doesn't have the strength in the very small lower abdominals. So those need to be taken down to a very small level and then gradually strengthened.
0: Well, that's always a good protocol in any kind of strengthening rehab scenario. Since you brought up the exercises,
1: the lower abdominals and people need to understand there's three sets of abdominals. You have upper abdominals, lower abdominals, and then the rectus abdominis. Mm -hmm. I think you need to isolate out those and you can begin with just simple pelvic tilts, pelvic tilts with little leg slides, pelvic tilts with leg slides that then you lift one leg and then the other. I usually test this on people and see where they fall in terms of what they can do. But here's a tip for all your listeners. If you're doing any kind of core or lower abdominal exercise and you feel your back, not necessarily pain, but you just feel those muscles working, that's not good. You want to totally hold that pelvis still and have no activity in the low back. Another great exercise that I give my patients is to stand on one leg when they brush their teeth. Now, the one thing I love about this is no one can tell me that they don't have time. Secondly, that is also accessing the gluteus medius, which is a little hip muscle that has to do with stabilizing the pelvis also. Well, you can get at it by standing on one leg, You can get at it by lying on your side and doing little leg lifts. But if you can stand and not let your hip drop while you have it on one leg, then that's a very good sign. And also while you're doing that, lift your carriage so that you're trying to lift, separate your spinal segments if you visualize that while you're standing on one leg.
0: I'm a big fan of side bends with traction, but you have to have your arm up and you have to really reach for the ceiling so you get that connection all the way down the lateral aspect of the body into the glutes before you do your side bend.
1: I agree with you. And the exercise that I give people a lot is that they lie on their back, they bend their knees, Mm -hmm. they raise their arms over their head, When they do that, a lot of times what you'll see is that people have stiff shoulders and those stiff shoulders also contribute to their recurrent back pain. But when they bring their arms over their head, they stretch the latissimus dorsi, that big posterior muscle. And that's really important because that gets very tight in recurrent back issues.
0: Yes. And And the latissimus dorsi has fibrous connections to the glute on the opposite side.
1: Oh, I don't think I knew that, but that is, that just makes it ever more important. That should give you shivers. (laughs) It it did. I didn't know quite how to articulate it. But when then I combine that with the leg slides, so they're on their back, their knees are bent. They put their arms over their head, stretch out one leg, stretch out the other. So you end up with your legs stretched out and your arms stretched out doing a pelvic tilt. That's surprisingly hard for people to yeah, do. Like, well, so just so getting people
0: just to articulate in in the the QL area when they're sidelined is incredibly difficult. They they completely block out that they have a there there that they can.
1: Move. Yes. Well, I can't say enough about muscle imbalance. There are many many people who have big very strong workout programs and they work their upper body. They do overhead and they do, um, pec work. And that often throws their muscles out of balance because they're over strengthening their pecs and their lower trapezius in the back are weak because they sit at desks and mm-hmm. all this. So then what happens is I'll have y- young buff men come in and they're like, why does my back go out? I'm so strong. I'm doing all this weight training and I'm just sure that lots of people feel that way and yeah. it's very upsetting and I used to do all that misguided weight training in my 20s. I don't do any of that anymore but I do do some very a very powerful routine that involves weights in the mm-hmm. right direction. I do want to come back though David, I'd like to just add sure. that the mu- so the muscle imbalance work turned my Back around, and I would yeah, have I to, to get just... back
0: to nineteen-year-old Linda and her yeah. recurring problems. How did yeah. you get out of that? So
1: perfect. I learned that work at Washington University School of Physical Therapy. Okay. That was not part of my chiropractic training, but it okay. was. It's critical to whom I've become so you, as a you practitioner. That as a
0: patient, or you actually did some study there?
1: I did some study. I took coursework there after Shirley Sarman. I'd like oh, to give a yeah, shout yeah. out. Yeah she's on my heroin list. Mm-hmm. And I also was part of a NIOSH research project to categorize back pain into flexion, extension, mobilization, immobilization. And that was their project that they invited me to be a research assistant for. Nice. So- This whole idea of integration, none of us can do this alone. These are hard problems. We need help from other kinds of practitioners, other sets of eyes. So I get my muscle balance thing going on and I stop doing exercises like the Nautilus program I'd been doing that's Mm -hmm. to strengthen my upper body and my legs and I refocused how I strengthened my body. At the same time, I had a yoga routine. Now just the yoga routine did not stabilize my back. And I wanna make that really clear to your listeners. Yoga is great. Yoga, it's like saying food. It's like, which yoga? Oh, yeah, I was
0: you just going to say, yeah, yeah. Okay, but maybe like, it wasn't the right kind of yoga program. To
1: well, I think yeah. it was missing. I don't think any yoga has these stabilization pieces Yeah, that I'm talking about.
0: i think of one or two people who I think, whether it was part of their training or just something that they-
1: Maybe something that, that they figured out. It's like, yeah. yeah I
0: have people come to see, well, I went to Pilates to fix my shoulder. I'm like, well, Pilates doesn't fix shoulders. That's not what Pilates does. People do partake of things for- well-meaning, yeah, reasons, they're trying, they're
1: yeah, the right, yeah, yeah,
0: they're trying to figure out what works.
1: They're trying so, to figure it out. I ended up with a routine that integrates yoga and stabilization. That's what I do now. I do it wherever I am, anywhere in the world. I'm there doing that routine. It stops,
0: that. actually, it's amazing. She's doing it right <laughs> now she's doing it right now. I can see, her. She's <laughs> managing to hold this conversation. She's incredible.
1: <laughs> then. I'm aware of my back. Is there a knot in the back that's forming? Is there a kink in my neck? I have an incredible massage therapist that works on me once a month. Understanding when things are becoming dysfunctional before they become dysfunctional. That is a big deal. Looking for range of motion. I've had lots of patients come in, especially women, only to find out that they've lost range of motion in their hip. And they didn't even know it because they didn't test their hips. So being aware of my range of motion and when I've lost some of that and I need some help to get it through chiropractic care, massage therapy, acupuncture, those are my main hands on Mm -hmm. processes that I go through. But having that doorway, visualizing that entire spectrum of these are my helpers. And then I have the part I do, which is my routine of stabilization and yoga. And then the third part, which was really important to me when I was getting through this in the really bad days is meditation and meditation in a certain position with my legs up over a chair, mm-hmm. lying on my back, which that position, it's my understanding takes the most pressure out of the disc and low back. Interesting. I,
0: I've always been under the impression that that position. So we're talking about basically sitting on a chair, but you're on the floor. So your legs are at 90 and you're Knees are bent and your calves are at 90 and completely supported.
1: Your low back. Yeah. It would sort of be like the yoga posture where your legs are up the wall.
0: Yeah. Except in this case. Oh, but
1: now they're over a chair.
0: Yeah. They're bent. That also puts the bones of the hip and the legs in a position that shortens the muscles enough that they don't need to work to hold that position because you're completely supported and the hypertonic muscles can shut off if you stay in it long enough.
1: Well, now, David, you may be explaining to me why that was helping my back so much because I did not know that piece that you just explained to me right there. But I love that. That makes complete sense. When they talk about pain in the brain as being one thing that's happening, learning how to quiet your brain Mm -hmm. with meditation in that posture for 20 minutes to 30 minutes every day, which is what I did. And i still meditate like that actually Mm -hmm. um is that's great fits exactly with what you just said Mm -hmm. right you're in that position long enough that you let things calm down and then when you combine that with the relaxation response which is really meditation is the relaxation response now you've combined things to help solve your back problem
0: Well, I've I've got something that's going to blow your mind. Uh, We did a study at the Integrative Medicine Center here at Pitt where we looked at low back pain and meditation and what was discovered. And there was the pilot study uh, started strong and ended with very few people who made it to the finish line, but the, the results were intriguing. So they did it again with a sample this time of a couple hundred people. And they gauged a 35% reduction in the perception of low back pain. Uh, They were not able to actually measure any change in the mechanical aspect of the low back pain, but the perception changed enough to be significant.
1: So my question would be, what position did they meditate in?
0: You know what? That's a really good question. That's probably sitting and not what we're talking about.
1: And what does sitting do? It puts six times more pressure on the disc. I think the only reason people sit when they meditate is because it's like a it's
0: always been done that way.
1: It's been done that way. It's like those back to all the gurus. They think they have a higher chance of enlightenment, but I just think it's not true.
0: So so let's let's use that as a detour to get back to the disc. Okay, everybody right now, lay on your backs if you're sitting. Put your legs,
1: your legs up over the chair.
0: Put your legs <laughs> up over the chair. So we're not putting six times more weight through that disc that Linda's gonna unpack for us.
1: The first thing I'll start with is that in a normal population of people, and I'm not sure the age on this, I'm not sure the age, but I know they're adults, at least 40% of people who got MRIs of a normal population with no back pain had ruptured discs. So the first thing to know when people get a diagnosis of degenerative disc or ruptured disc it does not mean that they need surgery. It's possible that maybe as a very, 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 very last resort that they will end up with surgery. It's just so different than some other things that you can see on an MRI, like a tumor or something. It's just totally different. Our backs over time lose water in the disc. Um, I mean, just a little primer on discs. So discs separate the bones in the spine and they act as shock absorbers. Interestingly, they have surrounding them fibers called annular fibers, Mm -hmm. and those fibers are very tough. If you compress the spine, it's very, very hard to break the annular fibers. But if you rotate the spine, that allows for shearing of those annular fibers much more easily
0: there's no ligaments like there are anterior and posterior Just the way it works is that there's longitudinal ligament in the anterior longitudinal ligament right
1: there's an anterior longitudinal ligament that does run down the front of the yeah. the spine mm-hmm. the posterior longitudinal ligaments in oh okay let's start with this okay L4, there's five lumbar segments, and then it goes into the sacrum, which is S1. So there's five bones that each have discs between them. I'd say 95% of lumbar disc injuries are between L4-5 and 5 one And this is L5-S1. So way down low by the sacrum. Anybody who's had back pain will be familiar with that feeling across the low back. There are many reasons for this. One I've talked about, which is the weakness in the core muscles in that area. Another reason is that the posterior longitudinal ligament, which does come down that far, thins at that area. So Mm -hmm. it isn't as stable as it is in the rest of the spine. So I direct my care to protect that disc. For example, when a patient walks in and they are bent over, the very first thing I do is have them lie on their stomach. I follow a McKenzie protocol there in combination with some other therapies. If the patient can get on their stomach, first of all, they're protecting their disc and they're shifting the structures of the disc forward back into alignment and just this alone can be an enormously helpful thing. It's also something people can do at home if they get in trouble at home. Just so, on your stomach. Just lay on your stomach, put an ice pack on your back. Do not put heat on your back when your back goes out. I've had people crawl in my office after doing that. The heat feels good, but it disables the muscles, and even worse, protecting the acute, disc.
0: That this is clarified that's in an acute state.
1: Yes. In an acute state. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So protect your disc. What else hurts the disc? If we um, just to go back to those annular fibers, Mm -hmm. a lot of rotation. If I lined up a hundred people and said, how did you, how did your back go out? Many of them would say something like I twisted and leaned forward to lift some, and then boom, I felt it. So if you use that fulcrum right there as your point of leverage, you're probably going to get in trouble. So I work a lot with my patients on their body mechanics so that they understand that um, they should not ever lift that way. Another example would be leaning into a car to get a car seat and the person rotates and lifts their child out. Now they've rotated the annular fibers. When you rotate, tear much more easily. Golf. I always say golf keeps me in business that's sort of obnoxious (laughs) but um i have a chiropractor
0: friend here locally who would say the same thing
1: so i have to live through my golfers because i'm not a golfer but if somebody what i would say to someone who's had issues is probably their hips are too stiff and their core is weak and if they strengthen their core and increase the flexibility of their hamstrings and their hips they're going to be less vulnerable in that golf swing. Also, I'd like to say something about the idea of pain patterns. First of all, I think pain patterns are repetitive. You could be big, small, male, female, whatever, ethnicity, anything, and your muscle pattern is going to be similar to the next person in terms of what tightens up and how it tightens up so that usually I'll see that quadratus lumborum that we spoke about. I'll find trigger points in the glutes and glute medius. I'll find pain and tightness in the rhomboids, and then it'll often go up into the cervical musculature and ending at the occiput so that it's a whole channel of pain. When I want to deal with a patient, I want to deal with all of that.
0: So how did you get from working as an intern going to, you said Washington University?
1: Do you mean how I was an orderly in the hospital or do you mean once I was done with my chiropractic training?
0: I'm trying to get how you went from being an orderly in the hospital at 19 to going to Logan to become a chiropractor.
1: Oh, it was a long and winding road. My first love was theater. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm laughing. I'm laughing ladies and and et cetera, because um, I know Linda and I'm not surprised to hear that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I love theater and dance. I did a lot of dance. I was a singing waitress in a dinner theater for a little while.
0: Oh my God. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. So, but I also was interested in healthcare. So I worked as an EMT in an emergency room Um, I worked as a recreational therapist, playing music with patients in a rehab clinic. I I did a lot of things, but basically I fell in love with the natural health care offered by chiropractic care. That's really what happened. And I had a mom who'd been sick and had a lot of medications that were very, you know, sort of traumatizing to watch that happened to my mom. I think that motivated me. So somewhere around 23, I decided to go to chiropractic school. At that point, I'm sad to say, I thought maybe acting was not going to work out for me. I haven't given up though. I haven't no. given it
0: up. No, no. it's never too late. It's <laughs> never too late.
1: But, but I did think that I needed a, you know, a real career and So then I set about becoming a chiropractor, which meant I had to go back to school and get all these science courses. My undergraduate work does fit in here because it's a degree in dance and movement therapy. So you can Uh, sort of see the long and winding road starts to come together. Mm
0: -hmm. I can also see why you work in a very different paradigm than say chiropractor who sees four people an hour?
1: Well, there was a time in my life when I saw six, and I had a staff of massage therapists. And we no one ever gained weight in my office, because we were on the move. So I was always trying to provide this incredible level of care in a model that now I thank God don't follow that model anymore. Now my model is one patient an hour.
0: That's a much more sustainable method in terms of getting the best results, I think, for the patient involved. Is that what appealed to you about the uh, International Consortium Manual Therapies project, that they were trying to combine these different worlds of manual therapies? What
1: Yes. And I mean, as I I said earlier, I think this is a humbling problem. I mean, I'm very problem-focused. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, how are we going to fix this patient's headaches, their neck pain, their back pain? What fixes these things? And so I love learning, what do you do? How do you see it from your point of view? How does the massage therapist see it from her point of view? One of the biggest surprises has been DOs. I I thought we were pretty similar. Now I think, hmm we're really thinking about some different things. So that was very revealing to me.
0: Yeah, my mentor at the hospital was a DO. He was an MD and a DO. Oh my. Yeah, he, he saw me give a lecture at a weekend event at the hospital. And he was like, come here, son, come here, let me talk to you. Uh, And he he was (laughs) saying, you know, maybe they should call osteopaths fasciopaths. So I was equally surprised because my lens into osteopathy was through him, which is a little bit different than how broad we're going. It's pretty exciting stuff. I don't want to use the word justify, but, you know, when you really have to present what you do and your rationale for doing it to a bunch of people who are similar but different – you really have to uh, up your game a little to yeah. be precise.
1: And we, um, I've done this at Washington University. What we would do is take a case like a sacroiliac joint dysfunction and the PT would present what her exercise approach would be. And then I would present what my hands-on approach would be. And that was very revealing. So I love this dialogue. There's no way I want to live in my little silo.
0: We're rapidly coming up uh, at the end of our time here today. And I feel like we barely scratched the surface. I do, too. Uh, but, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll have you on again. We, I, I can see this. Like, can
1: I add one thing yeah, to yeah, your yeah, to yeah, your yeah. listeners, sure. which is um, I'm assuming here there have to be some listeners with back pain, is that the world is not necessarily designed to protect your back. And so the car seat, the airplane seat, the postures that you live in, I think we all need to be really aware of those and try to adjust them and fix them as we go along. There's many things that can be done, but it's not a good idea to think you need to fit your body into the faulty postures. I say, let's try to change your mechanics and support your back as much as possible.
0: We You and I are very similar in that regard. We employ different tools and methods, but we're very similar in philosophy. And you got me thinking about what's one of the best, most reassuring things another person can say to another human being. I got your back. <laughs> so Linda, thanks for having our back today. There'll be more information about Linda in the show notes and we will have you back here on Body Talk very soon. Hey, everybody, don't touch that dial. Don't swipe that phone because we have a special end credit scene on today's body talk. I just spoiled it, but I want you to hang on. But first I want to express my gratitude to everybody who became a patron of the show. You can do that too at patreoncom backslash body radio. Thank you so very much. And I also want to thank everybody out there who listens every week, because we are in a world now where everything is vying for your attention. We talk about the attention economy, which I am now a part of. And it just really means a lot to me when I hear from people who tell me how much they enjoy the show and listen to it every week. Thank you for making Body Talk part of what you pay attention to. And I will do my part to make sure it continues to be worth paying attention to. Now, we heard from Linda Wheatland-Smith, chiropractor, And she mentioned that she had a background in the arts. Well, during the lockdown last year, her rabbi started an online ukulele class when the formal interview was off. She renditioned me. And I want to share this with y'all. See you next week on Body Talk.
2: Don't worry about a thing Cause every little thing It's gonna be alright. Don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing, it's gonna be alright. Rise up this morning. Smile with the rising sun. Three little birds perch on my doorstep. singing sweet songs. Memories pure and true. This is my message to you. Don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing it's gonna be all right. Don't worry about Cause every little thing, it's gonna be all right. <laughs>